Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. We are speaking with Leslie Evans, who is the head of HIMSS Innovation. Today, Leslie discusses her background in helping introduce girls to coding and technology early and some of her most recent projects in Ohio and California to reduce infant mortality and help the Latino population. Join us as she introduces us to what a health minister is and more about how HIMSS is impacting patient care. My pathway into health IT actually came through um, engaging young girls in STEM education. And um, prior to joining HIMSS, I was actually president of a coding boot camp that was focused on engaging women and people of color as software developers. So with healthcare being the number one in-demand job and software developers being the second in-demand job, just that intersection has been a tremendous opportunity. So I don't have a specific background in healthcare, and my pathway into technology has really just been about my passion engaging um, more underrepresented audiences in tech. However, you've been incredibly impactful for others in healthcare. So can you speak to that? Well, absolutely. I think so when you look at the design process and why is it important to have women engaged in health IT, I already understood the importance of having women and under, underrepresented audiences engaged um, as we're primary purchasers. Moms are still the primary purchasers for health care. I understood the design process. When I look at messaging to young women especially, I, want, I understand if I talk about a career in health IT, most of them are going to fall asleep. Their eyes close and they're thinking that that doesn't appeal to me because they need to see the purpose, they need to understand it. And I think at the Innovation Center we're discovering our purpose by really coming alongside and engaging new audiences and those are specifically around challenges that we are endeavoring to achieve. So we've had a couple of unique challenges. One that we were focused on, we are actually in Cleveland, Ohio. HEMS is a global organization, but our Innovation Center is in Cleveland, and we're surrounded by world-class health institutions. But in Cleveland alone, 
within a one-mile square radius of some of the best medical institutions around, um, we have the worst infant mortality rates. So black babies die on a national average at a rate three times greater than white babies. But in Cleveland, it's actually six times greater than white babies, and it's just unacceptable. So what we are doing is inviting the community in. We have partnered with really trust brokers in that community, and they are the ones who brought that statistic to us and that problem to us, and we were looking for ways that HEMS could come along and support their efforts. And so they already had the community, and we're already working with community health brokers, with the actual people in the schools and the churches and non-secular environments as well. And so we invited the community into HIMSS and kind of flipped our model a little bit, as well as our normal stakeholders, right? So provider networks, public health officials, community um, health workers, and we listen to the problems directly from the, the people who are experiencing those problems. And then what HIMSS did is came along and we listened. We had design thinking sessions where we really refined the challenges that this audience was saying that they were up against and challenges like stress, looking for ways to really, community health workers were looking for ways to connect with one another and to not spend all their time finding out where beds were open, what services were still being provided or what had stopped. And... Um, and then fathers were looking for resources. They were acknowledging that when they, if, if their partners are experiencing all this stress, how can they be included in that process of being aware of what stress might look like in their partner, how they can advocate for their partner, how when they're at the appointments they can be acknowledged, how they can learn to swaddle, and what how they can come along and support the moms. So we took those challenges, support for fathers, community health working connection, and then looking at ways that technology could be used to address stress, and we launched a global developer challenge through HIMSS gigantic platform. Mm-hmm. This was our first one. We had about 45 submissions, but they were international. And so we had submissions from Ghana and from Uganda, which were great. Our winners came out of, um, actually out of Columbus, Ohio, as well as Boston and Rochester, New York. What were the ideas that won? What were the winning ideas? Well, so like I said, uh, one of the ones that really uh, struck me, uh, and specifically, was the one for the fathers. So fathers said, you know, when they are looking at technology, they really look for technology that's uh, sports-related, gamified. They use the term sexy, but just something that's going to draw them in. And that would provide this really appealing interface for them. So So, something not boring. Exactly. A game, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, And I love that. And so the out of Rochester Institute of Technology, they did a playbook for dads. And I liken it to kind of fantasy football for dads. And it's the scoring points. So you achieve yards and you lose yards based on if you're meeting the measures. It's really awesome. The other one was a chatbot system that is coming along, kind of listens and learns, uses artificial intelligence to listen to the mother in, in particular to monitor stress through that. Is that really like an Amazon Echo type So no, so that's actually a different solution. Actually, our winning solution did use more of the voice-activated devices in the healthcare setting, and that was that came out of Nationwide Children's Hospital and a collaboration with Ohio State University called Smile. So what is some of the initial feedback about rolling some of these things out from really the most important end users, the patients and their families, right, the caregivers? Yeah, I think the other part of the model that was pretty unique is that we partnered with that organization I told you of Trust Brokers, and it was called Our Healthy Community. 
and our healthy community has a platform. They're really connected, in particular, with some of the churches across the country that actually have health ministers. So they have about 30,000 people on this platform. During the challenge, when we launched the challenge, they were encouraged to engage with that platform and to go back directly as they're designing these solutions and ask the questions of the community. And now that our three winners have actually been identified, we are using our healthy community as well to go back into the community and to start to try to get them in the hands of the end users. So that's been really great. As a result, we're being asked to do some more challenges, so we are partnering with Children's Hospital Los Angeles around a health equity challenge focused on the Latinx community, specifically for adolescents and young adults. And so about 60% of their patients at CHLA are uh, Latino or Hispanic, and that is a great group that uses technology, and how can technology, again, kind of overcome some of the fears that they're having of accessing healthcare. So same model, where we're really inviting in the, the community, and it's a real grassroots effort. It's different when we're talking about innovation. I mean, it is different for HIMSS. Those aren't necessarily our stakeholders, uh, but we have the passion from the hospitals, from the providers, from the researchers, and then we're really looking to get those community-facing organizations involved as well. So a conversation has come up, we've been talking about it a little bit over the last day, of the social determinants of health and getting other um, entities and stakeholders involved. And you mentioned the healthcare ministers, is that yes. And, you know, we were, the idea was brought to us that somebody, you know, a healthcare minister might say to their congregation, hey, text this number. Correct. About if you have diabetes or if anybody mm-hmm. in your family suffers from diabetes mm-hmm. or pick the, you know, the issue. Is right. that something that you're getting into? Yes, it is. So our partner, our healthy community, and Silas Buchanan is the CEO of that. Um, he's been a wonderful partner. And one of the statements he makes is, uh, you know, somebody may spend about two hours at the ER over the course of a year, but if they do attend a church, they may spend about 70 hours over the year, right? So that is one example of a community trust broker, and he can certainly speak to that much more efficiently than I can. And each community trust broker is going to look different, right? In this community, we were targeting addressing infant mortality that disproportionately impacts black mothers. So we're looking at who are their trust brokers. For the Latinx community, it's a little different, and where we hosted a summit in L.A. about two weeks ago and had about 90 attendees. You can imagine people are excited to be invited to tackle these problems together. Well, I think they're being asked. Right. They're being, you know, including all the stakeholders. One thing that we continue to hear is people feel like they're left out of the conversation. Absolutely. I love that it's interdisciplinary, and that term is used a lot mm-hmm. inside of health systems, hospitals, and mm-hmm. other facilities. And it's the st- internal stakeholders so much. And there's, it seems to dabble in the outside, but those community stakeholders, you guys aren't just taking a multi-pronged approach. It's really the whole wheel. It It is is really wheel and spoke, (laughs) and you guys have more spokes than most Mm -hmm. to tackle this because Mm -hmm. you're paying attention at both levels where the patient is at the center of it. Correct. And I love that. And so do you guys think you're going to do it? You said you got asked to do another challenge. I there's so many to tackle. Right? What is, yeah. the, what is the future of HIMSS Innovation look like when we talk about this? Are you going to have 18 projects going? Do you need a bigger I, group? We do need a bigger group. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm someone who likes to say yes. And why don't we want to try to tackle these challenges when we look at veterans, when we look at um, people that are aging in place and caregivers and the burden there, even bringing the clinicians in when we're thinking about this directly. So I would love to do multiple ongoing monthly and I would say it's really resonating within HIMSS where I'm getting a lot of support here you know any innovation across any industry operates uh, a little bit differently than the organization that it represents so 
I do refer to us oftentimes as a startup within HEMS, and we are in a process of discovery. The day we stop discovering, we're no longer an innovation center. Yeah. So we're going to keep doing that. That makes a lot of sense. I've, there's a comic that I find laughable because when somebody brings a new idea to a decision maker, they say, that's a fantastic idea, but we can't do it because we've never done it before. Right. <laughs> we wouldn't be anywhere <laughs> if, we, if we stopped there. Right. And I think that's it. I think some, some of this is just we're just starting. I wouldn't have been able to tell you a year ago that this is something that we would be doing. So it is really being open and listening and I think the Innovation Center is just opening our doors and trying to get the right people in and to hear how we can be significant. I think that's great and I love just the different layers that you all have going mm-hmm. with the stakeholders, both internal, external, the private, public, yes. just it, and education as well. I, I think it's huge. So I would say our audience is really starting seventh grade. So we, you know, we are constantly welcoming STEM-related activities um, onto our floor, and I have opportunities to talk about opportunities for careers in health IT uh, to multiple types of audiences. So we have from seventh grade all the way up to the most significant thought leader in health IT. So how have you figured out how to frame to the younger folks, Mm -hmm. people that are entering health IT industry, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's not, those jobs aren't boring, they're they're sexy, so to speak. Well, that's my passion, and I would say, so again, my most recent career track has been all around engaging women in STEM. So where I worked before coming to HEMS housed the Center for Research on Girls. And so I was privileged to participate. I have three daughters as well and a husband who um, just really pours into them and believes in them as well. And so I saw why messaging was important. We actually had tinkering stations across the school that were really engaging girls to tinker because we understood that a boy might look at a piece of technology and think, how can I tear it? part, how can I make it? And a young woman would look at it for purpose. What purpose does it serve? So when you even look at how many women, there were more women in medical school enrolled at one point, I'm not sure if that statistic is still true, they saw the purpose in medicine and they're high users of technology, but that intersection needs to be communicated differently, I think, to them. So I love, that. I think that's probably my sweetest spot that I actually love tailoring the message for different audiences and seeing why is this relevant to you. With younger audiences, I often start with connected health. It makes sense to them. For them to hear how we're using our phones, how we're using Fitbits, you know, then you can, if, as you start there, you can move into electronic health records, but they're not going to understand that at the very beginning. And unless they're experiencing, unless they are diabetic and they're experiencing that themselves, you really have to start at a higher level for them to see, oh, this makes sense, and how social media is being brought into the conversation as well. Yeah. I imagine with social media and with the technology around Fitbits and yeah. you know what even your phone can track, your right, health, right. that is a place that anybody with a phone these days mm-hmm. can kind of get in and, as an entry to that conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, for them to hear how different companies, even here, I, I throw out names that they'll recognize. I talk about Uber and Lyft being involved in ambulatory services. I throw out Google Google and Microsoft, I just want them to see it's a paradigm shift for them. I think it gets them thinking outside the box a little bit. You know, it's a relatable piece. I remember mm-hmm. when our eight-year-old was learning to read, the first thing she had to do, she was told to cut out brands that she knew or recognized. So we went to Google Images, right? Yeah, it's a little scary. Maybe Target, oh, Walmart, McDonald's, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Things that kids drive right. by and see. She right. knew who made a Happy Meal. Yeah. 
and you know our oldest daughter that didn't happen but it was a relatable piece of information she could identify with that they That's built upon and you're That's doing the project. same in health but you're doing the same approach in health IT mm. we're starting with the phone we're starting with the mm-hmm. food but with the brands they recognize mm. and so I love that that becomes the foundation to build upon because it is a really complex arena it is it is, and so starting there, so having those seventh graders, uh, we also have meetups as well. When we are continuing the Women in Health IT meetup that we already have as part of Hims, um, and I, I get such great connections around that. So, really trying to be accessible to multiple audiences. Right. All right, next question. Yeah. If you could snap your fingers mm-hmm. in some magical utopic universe and solve one problem in healthcare or health IT, what would it be and why? So I have a personal one right now. Really, just enabling seniors to be able to live at home safely. So when I look at how voice-activated devices are being used to enable seniors, um, my dad is 89 years old, mom's 85, and they're still at home. Thankfully, my sister lives with them. Right now, he will fall, and that's going to (coughs) be his demise. When he falls, he doesn't want to connect with an emergency room. He wants to connect with the people that are in his house because he's never home alone, but he's still on a multi-level house and looking at that. So I feel like we are so close to it. If we have something that we can connect to ER, and if we have voice-activated devices, Fitbits, Apple Watches, we are so close to it, and it doesn't exist yet. So it's that one I would throw out there because I think it's just something that can be solved pretty quickly. How a person aging in place, living at home with others, so not in isolation, can connect directly to another person throughout the house. But even if they were in isolation, this was my grandfather. He mm-hmm. passed not too long ago. That was the first thing after my grandmother went into long-term right. care. He fell, and there was no one home, and it wasn't right. until the next morning. And so you're right, the solutions exist, and mm-hmm. so what a beautiful thing to be able to just bring that to life. Because we're just close. We're, we're there. Right there. And yeah. Yeah. When I, when I learn how to code. <laughs> I know everybody else should learn, but... <laughs> One of the girls in here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You've created your own future. I, I think so. Yeah. yeah somebody's going to solve it. Right. <laughs> okay. Last question. We are trying to build a Hit Like a Girl reading list. <laughs> oh, for, as you're listening, Leslie mm-hmm. is pulling something out of her bag. And so this is her first guest that has brought the book to the podcast. <laughs> well, or, it's not oh, a book. excuse me, we're I didn't making an electronic <laughs> reference. Exactly, we are making an um, electronic reference. We're going reference. to make an electronic reference. We're going reference. to LinkedIn. Um, well, I will tell you, this is actually more general, but when I referenced the Center for Research on Girls at Laurel School, Dr. Lisa Damore, she actually is featured regularly on CBS This Morning and, and the New York Times. Her book, she just recently released, Under Pressure. And I would recommend, she has a number of books that she's released. Obviously, that is not specifically health IT related, but when we're in this and talking about this audience and just talking about pressure, you know, mental health is a huge part that we're trying to. So in each of these challenges that I referenced earlier, the Latinx challenge and the one about infant mortality, stress was the number one problem we're trying to solve for. So stress, anxiety, looking at that and just being more knowledgeable about it, there are probably so many others, but I literally was so excited about her, and I would recommend Lisa Damore to, to any Under pressure about helping girls manage stress and anxiety. Wonderful. So, Leslie, if people want to find you or want to know more about Hymns Innovation, where can we do that? We are at himsinnovationcenter.org. 
You can find us there. I'm active on LinkedIn. I'm not very active on all the other social media channels yet. So okay. <laughs> probably hymnsinnovationcenter.org. Excellent. Thanks for taking the time to talk Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle hitlikeagirlpod. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you.